As sex workers, femmes, women, and queer folks, we're so often led to believe that we're not good enough or that we should be ashamed of who we are. Almost all of us know what it's like to have our wisdom, perspectives, and ideas dismissed. In our personal and public lives, many of us know how it feels to be routinely misunderstood, overlooked, sexualized, or a combination of all three. Stigma and systemic oppression make it harder than it should be for us to lead normal lives. We're often pressured to prove our worth in our careers, in our creative endeavors, and even in our closest relationships. The irony is that in general, sex workers are some of the coolest, smartest, funniest people you'll ever meet. My name's Lila. I'm a stripper, writer, musician, and anti-misogyny educator. I'm Erica, a body justice educator, pole dancer, tarot reader, and webcam model. And we, and we are a Stripper's Guide podcast. On this show, we combine our special areas of expertise to bridge the gap between the sex worker community and everyone else. We cover everything from intimate relationships and abuse recovery to gender politics and body justice and the larger social systems that make life so much harder than it needs to be for sex workers and people of marginalized genders. We do tackle some heady topics on this podcast, but don't worry. We also know how to keep you entertained. We are strippers after all. Hello, and welcome back to a Stripper's Guide podcast. This is Lila. Hi. This week, we're in part two of our two-part Mother's Day episode. So last week, we heard from Elle Stanger and KT, who are both sex-working moms. And this week, we're going to hear from Roxy and Mina. And this episode is all about sharing the perspective of different sex worker moms from different places, different walks of life, different life experiences, and um, just kind of giving them the microphone to so graciously share some of their wisdom with us around what it's like to parent as somebody who is also in such a stigmatized profession and the ways that, you know, sex workers are not just professionally stigmatized. We are, we are, the stigma that we experience around our profession is directly related to gender. Um, and of course there are sex workers of all genders, but those of us who identify as femme or women, non-binary, trans folks who are already occupying, marginalized genders within this society, um, that the way we are viewed in the world gender wise is, um, sort of bolstered for better or for worse by our position in the sex industry and vice versa. And so when we're, when we're hearing the the experiences and the perspectives of sex working moms and sex working parents in general, we have such a rich opportunity to look inside of ourselves and inside of our own lives and examine the ways that anti-sex worker bias, anti-femme bias, anti-queer, anti-trans biases might be um, present in our daily lives, in our belief systems, in our ideologies. And so I just want to thank all four of these moms so much for coming onto the show and for 
sharing your worlds with us in this way. Um, we're going to get into this episode in just one second, but I just want to make a few announcements. First, I uh, just want to let you know that we're going to be taking a short hiatus from this podcast this summer. Um, it could be a month. It could be the whole summer. I'm not sure yet. But I really want to focus on finding funding for this podcast and any future podcasts that I intend on creating. Um, I'm not going anywhere. I'm really passionate about the subjects that we talk about on this podcast. And I have also discovered that I really love podcasting, which is not something I anticipated. And so um, I definitely plan on continuing to podcast. So don't worry. Um, And also, thank you. If you love the podcast so much that you continue to come back week after week. It really means so much to me. And this has been such a fun and special thing in my life since I started it during quarantine. And I am so grateful and so honored and so happy to have this listenership that we can share this space with, even, even if we don't know each other or see each other in other platforms or in other areas of life. If the only place we meet is here on the airwaves once a week, I think that's so cool. And actually next week, me and my co-host Erica Sosa will be joined together by one of our favorite podcasters for the season finale, which comes out on May 31st. We will be interviewing Aubrey Gordon, who if you've been listening to the show for a while, or you've even heard me talk on other people's podcasts, I almost always end up bringing up Aubrey Gordon. She's the host of the Maintenance Phase podcast. She's the author of several best-selling books, and there is a documentary coming out about her next month. She is an incredible activist and educator who works to dismantle anti-fat bias in our society. And she is joining Erica and I for a conversation about some of the intersections between anti-fat bias and anti-sex worker bias. Announcement number three is that I'm the featured guest on the latest episode of the Life After MLM podcast. Tune in to join me and anti-MLM advocate Roberta Blevins for a discussion of white supremacy, patriarchy, and anti-sex worker bias in the world of MLM, or multi-level marketing, which is a popular type of sales cult focused on recruiting white suburban Christian women and their families. And by the way, we talk about the time that I was in an MLM for a second. So you can stream the Life After MLM podcast wherever you listen, and the link to that episode is also in the show description. Okay, last announcement. If you are in New York or visiting New York this Friday, May 19th, I will be playing with my band in Brooklyn, and it's our first live show since before quarantine. And I am beyond excited. I cannot wait. I haven't played live music in way too long. And we're going to be in a hella queer venue. The lineup of musicians includes my band and also local pop icons, Cherry and Valley Latini. And Valley Latini has actually been a guest on this show two times. Um, so you can check out her episodes. I'll actually link them in the show description for you. 
And uh, Valley is a former stripper and Cherry is a go-go dancer. It's just going to be a super amazing night full of powerful, magical, mystical femmes, you know, very pro-sex worker, very pro-queer environment. So if you're around, if you're in New York, come party with us. I'd love to see you there. I'll put a ticket. I'll put the ticket link in the show description here, but anyways, okay, let's get into this episode. Please welcome with me, Roxy and Mina. Hi, I go by Roxy Heartless and I identify with she, her pronouns. I do not identify as bisexual or lesbian and feel most comfortable referring to my sexual orientation as queer or pansexual. And lastly, but definitely not least, I'm the mother of a 15-year-old daughter. Hi, my name's Mina. I have been dancing for about nine years. I am Dominican and Middle Eastern. I have a bonus daughter who's 10 and a 15-month-old boy. It's so great to have you both here and... I want to give Roxy a chance to tell us about the advocacy work that she's doing for sex workers and how she came to that work. In 2018, I entered into some serious hardships. I became estranged from one of my four siblings and in turn created a wedge between me and my other family members. Three months later, my dad's childhood home burnt down and there wasn't any room for my daughter and I with any other friends or relatives. I was so lost. We moved to a budget in motel where I was contracting with Instacart, working about 60 hours a week. In January of 2019, I drove two hours from my town to Fresno, California, and I auditioned at a club out there called Gold Diggers. I had never been to a strip club before, and I didn't really go clubbing or anything like that either. I was completely out of my element, and I was terrified. I chose to audition in Fresno because my daughter's dad lived in Fresno and I knew that I could have her stay with her grandparents or her dad while I auditioned when I began to work. I worked at Gold Diggers most weekends for about three or four months before the drive started to get to me, started to get really hard on me. Um, through some networking, I eventually began working a lot of underground clubs, which were less than half the drive I was doing to get to Gold Diggers in Fresno. When the pandemic hit, I tried retiring from the industry. I deleted all my socials related to dancing, and I went back to a regular job. I actually ended up working three jobs (laughs) to kind of stay afloat. I was miserable and exhausted, to say the least. When things began to open back up, the very first week strip clubs opened, I drove up to the barrier and auditioned at my current club in Sunnyvale, California. Going back to dancing saved me. My daughter was entering high school and I was able to leave her home alone while I worked without having to worry about needing a babysitter. The The drive to Sunnyvale was only about 40 minutes, which made it accessible for me to work a lot more than when I was working in Fresno. Because of the accessibility to work, I was able to go back to college and finish up my bachelor's degree in social and behavioral science, which I obtained in 2022. My graduating research focused on FOSTA-SESTA and the harms it creates towards sex workers in the Bay Area and facilitates more injustices for traffic victims. For listeners who are not familiar with the term FOSTA-SESTA, it refers to two tech laws that were signed into place during the Trump administration and are ostensibly harmful to sex workers, even though they claim to be their 
to help folks who are experiencing sex trafficking, I highly recommend you Google this set of laws and Google sex worker generated commentary and research on these laws. And Roxy has actually invited listeners of this podcast to be a part of her Instagram private stories where she shares research, advocacy, and resources about the industry. Um, It is a sex worker safe space. And so if you're interested in being part of her private stories, DM her on Instagram with the words, a stripper's guide podcast. Her Instagram handle is linked here in the show description. Okay, back to Roxy. I also take a more comical yet informative approach on my TikTok to make relatable content about stigma, mental health, and how to recognize mistreatment, illegal treatment, and general warning signs to look out for both with people and your own self. And now I want to hear from both of you in your experience, what are some of the challenges that come with being a sex working parent? Um, One of the biggest challenges that come with being a parent and a sex worker is the exhaustion. Trying to be present with your kiddo while simultaneously getting enough rest before you before and after work is really hard to balance. Because I began dancing so late in life, I was very fortunate that my daughter was not a small child anymore. Other challenges are having talks with my daughter about the dangers of outing my profession to her friends and having to explain how some parents might act not only around me, but her as well. I'm always terrified that someone's parents are going to be discriminatory and call CPS or accuse me of being a sexual predator or something simply because they don't agree with or understand my profession. Additionally, because my daughter is not white and because we live in a town that is predominantly white and unfortunately notoriously racist, I worry that she and I could be the targets of mistreatment, false accusations, or the victims of crime simply because of my profession and she being a person of color. I think in my experience, some of the challenging parts about being a parent and a dancer is having to leave late and wake up early. I feel like I get less sleep. And even though I'm up all day, I still have to be up all night. Uh, it's really difficult for me to keep the same energy for my kids after a really long weekend. And I don't know how to create a routine. I've been trying so many things to just create a schedule like meal prepping and, you know, like literally writing out a schedule and trying to put in naps for myself. But it is just very unpredictable to do um I probably get about 10 to 15 hours sleep Thursday through Sunday and I feel like a zombie Monday and Tuesday and sometimes even Wednesday it's just really hard to like bounce back I am still trying to incorporate self-care for myself and I think that's just The difficult part is giving up time to your kids and not so much for the self. Has sex work had any positive impacts on you as a parent? I like to think that because of the work I do both professionally and academically opened my eyes to parts of the sex industry that I otherwise might not have been exposed to. From full-service sex workers, erotic dancers, to content creators, we all have different experiences in the industry. 
The privilege of having access to women in all areas helped me to better understand my own internal misogynistic views and the stigmas so that I can teach my daughter compassion, understanding, and empathy for her fellow woman. She won't have to unlearn the social stigmas that were taught to me, and I can teach her to be even better than me, to grow more than me, to be part of the future we are all working so hard to create. Some positive impacts that being an independent contractor um, has had for me is being able to create my own schedule. So if my kids need me or if they're sick, I don't have to go to work. I can just stay home. I'm not obligated to, to do anything. So having that flexibility is really nice. Also, the potential of making more money in a shorter period of time is always going to be a plus for me. I feel like regardless if I work two days or five days in a week, I don't know why, but I still average about the same amount of money in a month. And so that's really nice for me being able to make that uh, choice. Also, I was able to go back to work six weeks after having my baby and just having the girls there to um, hype me up and be supportive was awesome. Do you talk to your kids about sex and or sex work? When I first began dancing, I was very secretive about it. I wasn't sure sh how she would feel. My daughter was in fifth grade the first time I stepped into Gold Diggers, and she was in sixth grade when she came home to a spinning pole in our living room that I called my fitness pole. One time when she was in seventh grade, she said something about a stripper pole, and I said, fitness pole. And she looked at me so unbothered and said, Mommy, I'm not dumb. I know you're not a bartender. Well, the cat was out of the bag, and I wasn't going to continue to lie to her, especially knowing that she had figured it out. I didn't want to create distrust or gaslight her, so when she called me out, I owned it. That day, I did have a serious talk with her about the dangers of letting others know about my profession. I am always honest with her about the things I need to do to make our life work, but only to the degree that is appropriate for her to know. Um, I do not talk to my kids about my work. I don't know when the appropriate age for me to tell my daughter is, but I feel like maybe when she's about 14, 15, 16 years old, and she has her own ideas about what sex is, I could tell her. I just feel like kids really admire their parents and whatever their parents do, and they want to tell other kids. And I don't really want to tell her and her have told her friends at school and then, you know, drama unravels because not everybody has the same ideas about life. So that's why I choose not to tell her. I know she wouldn't have any opinion about what I do and she'd love me regardless. And so that's all that matters. Uh, when she was real little, she used to go through my dancer bag and she thought I was just a really cool um, lifeguard. She thought I worked at a pool and that I just had really cool bathing suits. And it was really cute because she used to, anytime we'd go to the pool, she'd be like, mommy, why don't you wear that one bathing suit? <laughs> I'm like, that's not for the pool, baby. So, yeah, um, I usually don't leave until bedtime is about around the corner. I try to put my son to sleep before I leave to go to work. So 
they do get me for most of the day. What kinds of community support do you want as a sex working parent? Personally, I would love to see my community embrace the fact that sex work is here and is safer when we acknowledge it. The same way we have homeless outreach programs and transitional programs should be offered for women who want out of sex work, whether it be full service sex work or the legal side of it, such as dancing. Also, acknowledge that not every sex worker wants to stop or get out right now and that we aren't looking to be rescued. We are looking to be seen and have rights. Access to therapists that don't that openly state that they are sex worker positive with experience working with women in the industry so that they can help address self-care and burnout that we all experience. Um, Having open allies, appropriate police training for how to approach and communicate with sex workers are all um, beneficial things that, that, that any community could, could do just as a small step towards visibility. Um, I think our community could be more supported if there was more education provided for dancers. I think a lot of dancers go into the industry not knowing what it takes or what it entails. I think a lot of the younger dancers coming into this industry just think a lot of money is going to be handed to them because they're cute. And I think there should be like a crash course. I just want to chime in here to shout out Alexa, the house mom, who you may have heard her on this podcast before, but you can Google her. You can look her up on Instagram at Alexa, the house mom. She does do crash courses for new dancers. And I also do one-on-one calls for new dancers or folks thinking about auditioning to become dancers. If you want to set up a one-on-one call with me, you can reach out to me on Instagram at a stripper's guide or you can email me at info at a strippersguide.com. I also have a bunch of free resources for new dancers or anyone thinking about joining the industry um, here on the podcast. Also, if you go to my Instagram page, my Strippers Guide Instagram page, you will see stripper tips in my highlights reels, and you can also find those stripper tips on my YouTube channel, which is also a stripper's guide. Okay, back to Mina. I also, for a short period of time, it was hard for me to stay sober a couple years back because Girls were constantly like, just, just a line, just a bump, you know, just one shot. Come on, come on. And I think we should all just be more supportive of our, you know, comrades trying to stay away from those things and not peer pressure each other. Um, As I just don't want to get sucked into anything that could risk my job because that would in the end risk my children's life because I work to maintain a home. Um, I also would like if we had like, I don't know, like groups like and got together more often for just normalness. Like I used to have like team building at any other regular job I've had. We've had events where we've gotten together and we've had team building. And I think we could learn a lot from each other and, you know, really elevate our club if we got together more to talk about ideas and to talk to each other about experiences and just to build with each other 
and maybe even get together moms make a group and we get our kids together because we're all on that odd schedule where we're not waking up till like noon and then we go out and we do all the things with our kids (laughs) so that would be awesome I also think um just anything we could do to you know motivate each other and elevate each other and remind ourselves and each other why we are doing what we're doing final question before we sign off do you have any last words of wisdom for sex working parents out there my advice to other sex working parents would be to be open and honest with your kids when they ask questions you don't have to sit them down and tell them if they aren't asking but if they are asking don't lie to them You want to show trust and you don't want them to think that what you're doing is wrong. Lying about it will reinforce the stigma that it's something bad. Also, be very sure to explain to them that not everyone believes it's okay and that sometimes people will say mean things about what we do for work. So be sure to prepare them for those conversations. I think for any parents out there in the sex industry, I say that it's just important to remember what matters most to you at the end of the day. And I know that a lot of the girls value what they create, the stability they create for their homes. And we just have to remember that like what we're trying to create um, is unique to us. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. We're doing it so that we can provide for ourselves and our children, no matter what your job entails you can still do it with integrity and compassion thank you so much to roxy and mina and to last week's guests l stanger and kt all four of you have been so wonderful to come share your stories here with us on the pod. And I've already heard from listeners that they love part one. And I'm so glad that they finally got to listen to part two of this super important Mother's Day episode. Let's just all send a big thank you and I love you to the sex working moms in our lives and in the world in general. If you are a sex working parent and you're listening to this, I would love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear anybody's feedback on this episode or any episode of a stripper's guide podcast. You can leave your ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts, or you can leave ratings on Spotify. And of course, As always, if you like this episode, share it with a friend. That's it for now. We'll be back in two weeks with our season finale featuring Aubrey Gordon. And maybe I will see some of you at my band's show in Brooklyn this Friday. Goodbye.